Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Ten Show brought to you by Bookmaker. Find them online today at bookmaker.eu. Better yet, shoot them a tweet, tell them you signed up for free, and you'll get $100 free play. Put in your account, no strings attached. Check them out at bookmaker.eu. Tweet them today at bookmaker underscore EU. Welcome in to another edition of the Big Ten Show. He's the almost famous Adam Carricker. I am the much less famous Jeff Turn. Brought to you by Jacobson Seed Company. For all your seed needs to make your life much easier, go with the healthy hybrid advantage. Check them out at jacobsonseed.com. Adam, we are to week 10 of the college football season. Things are heating up. We're going to get to the college football playoff. We're going to get to Michigan. And, of course, we'll talk about the games this weekend. Plus, it's not just football in the Big Ten show. We got some basketball as well. The plate is full. You ready to eat? Dude, I am excited to talk the pigskin and the orange pumpkin smashing sport as well. That's what one of my buddies once called it. I've never forgotten it. I love that. That's great. That's great, man. That's awesome. So first, (laughs) let's start with the college football playoff. The rankings came out for the second week, and the, the top four stayed the same. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Those are your top four teams, followed by Washington at five and Oregon at six. Now, I think a lot of people are looking at these rankings and going, where's the chaos? Where could potentially we see some craziness? We're going to dive into that for a second. But again, one through four, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Your thoughts on where we're at right now? This could be one of the least boring college football playing ranking years I've ever seen. And it's going to get even more boring because it's all going to play itself out. Ohio State's going to play Michigan unless the Big Ten bans Michigan from the Big Ten title game. But we'll get to hear that here in a minute georgia they're gonna play alabama texas well oklahoma's dropped off the face of the earth as long as they win texas has got a shot it's crazy washington's gonna play oregon so a lot of this is just gonna work itself out the really the only conundrum i see is if there's five power conference champs with one loss or less then it could be interesting or if somehow we have three power conference champs with one loss or less and then we got to figure out who that fourth quote-unquote, at-large team. But I don't think there's going to be much drama this year. Do you? No, I really don't. Um, I I think, you know, you mentioned some of the potential issues that could fall into place. You know, we talk about what goes on with Ohio State and Georgia and Michigan and Florida State, and then you have those teams right below them. And I think at that point, you know, it's it's starting to um, get in a conversation of, what the chaos could be, right? And I, I think Texas has as good a chance as anybody if Alabama beats Georgia, uh, because you're not going to probably put Alabama above Texas. I, mm-hmm. I think there is a very good chance that from the positions that we see, the things that you just mentioned are all potentially just going to play themselves out. It's different than when we have, you know, like the Ohio State situation from a year ago. So I think all of that encompassed is going to be very interesting moving forward but it's not where i think you know there's going to be the the absolute chaos that a lot of college football fans look forward to i think there's two scenarios that are plausible that could be uh, interesting i do think it's plausible we could have a one loss conference champ from all five power conferences i do think that that's very plausible the big 12 is probably the least likely and if the pac-12 doesn't beat itself up but either oregon or washington i think emerging emerges as the champ with one loss or less. The other one is this, to bring up the Michigan thing. 
okay, the NCAA is going to take forever. Even, even if they send something Michigan's way, Michigan doesn't have to respond for 90 days. The season is over. You and I chatted before this. The college football playoff committee wants to be the good parent. They don't want to be the bad parent. They said, this is not our problem. So it's all at the feet of the Big Ten, the Big Ten commissioner. And there's all sorts of rumors and rumblings of what might happen. And if you think about it, it's justified. Okay, this isn't just a sport. This isn't just a 20-year-old going out and playing some backyard football game. This is a multi-billion dollar business. Okay, and people are more aware of that than ever. It's always been that way. But it's always been student-athlete. Well, sure, says the guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars promoting the term student-athlete. But also, you've got coaches who, whose livelihoods are on the line. Their jobs are on the line. Their raises, they're getting fired. Ryan Day, he's lost to Michigan two years in a row. I can't, I can't help but wonder, in his mind, with all the criticism that he has taken before the wins against Notre Dame uh, and Penn State this year, if he's a little bit pissed off, like, hey, maybe we'd have won that and I wouldn't be so nationally criticized and I wouldn't be getting all this heat and my job security would be a lot better and my kids wouldn't be getting made fun of at school. I don't know if he even has kids. I, I digress. But this affects real-life situations, not just names and faces on a video game that's yet to come out here in a year or two that I have missed four years, I might add. So it's it's very justified that these Big Ten coaches are pissed. So here's a scenario I'll throw out, and I don't know if this is going to happen. I do know it's been discussed. Michigan gets banned from the Big Ten championship game. Michigan beats Penn State this weekend. Michigan, I think it's Maryland they play after that. They win that. They beat Ohio State, but they can't go to the Big Ten title game. Ohio State, with one loss, goes to the Big Ten title game and mollywops whoever it is that happens to show up that day. So you got a one-loss Big Ten champion and a 12-0 Michigan team sitting there that the college football playoff committee has said, this is not our problem. Then what happens? That could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. You know, yesterday, Boo Corgan said, the uh, head of the college football playoff committee, that this is a situation that is not something the college football playoff committee is going to deal with. They are going to only assess the teams that are eligible for the playoff. And as of now they are Michigan has sent documents to the big 10 though, Adam saying Rutgers, Ohio state, Purdue, all were sharing signs together. The teams mm-hmm. were sharing signs with each other about Michigan. So I, I think it's going to get messy and more messy before it gets cleaned up. Uh, I, I think that there's no chance that the big 10 will, um, hold Michigan out of a title game. I think the more likely scenario is the university gets fined. I don't even think Jim Harbaugh is going to get suspended a game. Uh, I think that the university gets fined and potentially you have some recruiting uh, restrictions. Uh, That's sort of what my guess is on this uh, because it it isn't something – stealing signs in the handbook of sportsmanship with the Big Ten isn't one of the most egregious things, right? Like it's not something that they look at – and right or wrong, that they that they hold in their tier of being one of the most egregious things that you can do, according to their bylaws and their rules. So my guess is um, Harbaugh never gets suspended. And at worst, one game, I think they'll find the university a substantial amount of money, which, again, doesn't matter. And then they'll move on from there. Stealing signs on game day, no problem. Doing it, stealing signs in an illegal way. That's a gigantic but, issue. But 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 Adam, I think what people think about too, and the reason this win, the reason why you can't advance scout is mm-hmm. not for competitive advantage. It was because of money. They they put this rule into place, and I did some research on this. When this rule was put into place, uh, ninety four, whenever it was, it 94. was because the haves had money to go out and advance scout. The have nots did not, and so they felt from a financial standpoint they did not have equal footing, and so. 
they set this into place with all the money that's there now i think you should be able to advance scout just like you do in the nfl i think you should be able to go out advance scout just like you do for the nfl because if you did this in the nfl nobody if you're not taping the practices if it's just at the games when everybody's playing there's no problem so i i think this may actually spark some change man like we may see in the power five at least where they're able to advance scout because everybody has enough money to do it now it will probably spark change but it's it's a, you and i have chatted about this with other topics before rules are rules and if you're a coach who's been following the rules because that's what you're supposed to do. And this other guy had and did it. And he's got a huge advantage. You're going to be pissed. Like, dude, I'm only hearing a small, teeny tiny bit of how pissed off these coaches are. So I can only imagine how pissed off they really are that I'm not hearing about. Okay. And it's one of those things where there's going to be headsets and the helmets in the future because you're going to be able to advance scout. But that's not been the case up until now. And you can only judge based on the rules up until now. So I agree. It's probably going to create better change. Um, I don't know that they're going to suspend Michigan from the Big Ten title game. I know it's been thrown around, and I just think that would be one hell of a scenario for the college football playoff committee to try to figure out. I think I think also, if I'm an athletic director at these other universities, I don't want Michigan suspended from the Big Ten title game because that sets a precedent for something that wasn't like considered a level one violation where you can go outside the rules because you're upset and penalize them, and that may be our university down the road. And I think sometimes the athletic directors look at, hey, if this was us, would we want to be suspended? Even though our guys didn't do it, and I hope that they wouldn't. What if they did? Would we want to be suspended? I think no. So we'll ultimately see what happens. This is the Big Ten Show. You can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. Of course, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, SI.com, and 97.3, the ticket in Lincoln. You want to get to the games this weekend? Oh, I, I, you sounded like you were still doing an ad read the way you said it. Yes, I would love to chat some Big Ten college football games this weekend, but that's why I was just staring at you. <laughs> no, that's fine. I appreciate, man. I know I'm good to look at. I understand. Um, so the big game is is Michigan and Penn State. We're going to save that one uh, for last year, and even though it's the first game of the day. Um, Indiana and Illinois, and you know you're talking about an Illinois team that that needs two more wins to get bowl eligible. They're six and a half point favorites at home. What do you think about this matchup? So this is going to be a week where I'm going to surprise you. I did the least amount of recon on these games I have ever done. I obviously looked at Michigan and Penn State, but dude, I even messaged you. I'm like, we need some extra time for basketball because I did a bunch of stuff on basketball. So I'm excited about that. So uh, Indiana, Illinois, I just simply wrote, I have Illinois over Indiana. Like I just simply made predictions for the most part here without a whole lot of in-depth analysis going into these games. So I'll take Illinois in this game. I think that they're, they're a team at home, uh, that can beat, a lower tier team like Indiana. So I don't know about the spread, but I'll take Illinois. How about Nebraska and Maryland, man? Like, what happened to your Huskers last week? They had a chance to get bowl eligible. That all went the other direction against Michigan State. Now they have a chance to bounce back against Maryland. The winner of this game becomes bowl eligible. My thoughts from the outside looking in, they're going to have a tough time slowing down Tonga Viola uh, and that passing attack. But I do believe if they can get some pressure on him early, that's going to start to stymie some of the things that they want to do downfield. I think Nebraska just can't turn the football over, man. That seems to be the MO for, for their success. And God, man, I can't wait to see two years from now what Matt Rule has at quarterback because if he has a really good quarterback, I think Nebraska is going to be a really good football team. I concur with that assessment. One final thought on Illinois. I will say this. They have a tendency to beat teams that they really shouldn't beat, and they should beat Indiana to begin with. 
you look at Maryland, Nebraska, I think Maryland has not been the same team since they, they played Ohio State. Okay, and they lost by 20 points. They've lost four games in a row since then, including a loss to Illinois, including yep. a loss to Northwestern at home. They're giving up an average, okay, of over 30 points a game in these contests. And the two teams that are not named Illinois and Northwestern that they lost to, they gave up an average of 44 points. So I think Nebraska is actually going to score a few points this game, so that'll be nice as a Husker alum. I think what we learned about Nebraska last week is uh, we're still not that good, and we're definitely not good enough to give the other team the ball 80 million times. So I do have Nebraska winning. It's more about I think Maryland's in a tailspin than I really know what to expect out of the Huskers. Finally, let's – excuse me, not finally. Next, let's get to Iowa and Rutgers. Man, Iowa still may win the Big Ten, and I may be right, man. They just find ways to win some of the ugliest football games you've ever seen. And speaking of ugly football games, I can't wait for that Black Friday game when the score is like three to two between the Huskers and Hawkeyes. Like that's going to be a high scoring seven turnovers. Oh my God. (laughs) 87 punts. So I actually have Rutgers in this one and I have Rutgers because it's kind of like Nebraska. You find ways to win, but eventually you're not good enough. And if you mess up, it's going to catch up to you. I think Rutgers is a good enough team that if Iowa messes up just a little bit, which I think they will, I think Rutgers is going to get them. So I got Rutgers pulling off the upset in Iowa, okay, 14 to 13. And Iowa's defense gives up an average of 13.7 points per game, which is why Iowa's, or Rutgers is going to get 14 and win by a point. Yeah, both these defenses are really good. Both these defenses are top 25. Uh, you know what's really funny when you think about this stat? The leading, the leading passer heading into this game is Rutgers quarterback Gavin Wimsott. He has 1,200 yards passing, eight touchdowns, five picks in, ten, in in nine games. That's the leading passer in this game. I think it's going to be low, 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 low. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll, I'll take Iowa. They're a point-and-a-half point favorite. I think they control their destiny to the Big Ten West. But, yes, I have uh, Iowa winning this game uh, this week. All right. Um, next, let's – hold on. My uh, my screen went bahooey on me. Um, let me pull it back up here. So uh, the way that I look at some of these other games the rest of the year, because I think a lot of people, Adam, they start to go, all right, well, the season's over. You're not winning a Big Ten title. What are you playing for? You know this as well as anybody, how important it is to get those extra practices for for, uh, bowl games and to have that camaraderie and everything that comes along with it. Minnesota becomes bowl eligible, and, and who knows if P.J. Fleck will be there next year. I mean, they probably will get coveted by Michigan State. But... Minnesota gets another chance to get bowl eligible uh, if they can beat Purdue this week. I think they will. But the line has me a little bit weary. Purdue is minus one in this game. Again, Minnesota run the football. Purdue try to pass it. Whichever defense I think plays better wins the game. Purdue is just one of those unpredictable teams. You kind of don't. And that's how they've always been as a program. Other than when Drew Brees was there, you really had no, have no idea what to expect out of this team year from year, game to game. They're always just a wild card. You know, here's what I wrote. I said, Minnesota over Purdue, maybe, barely. (laughs) That's what I wrote. So I'm with you. It's going to be close. Yeah, I think so, too. Northwestern and Wisconsin. Wisconsin minus 10. Another chance for Wisconsin to get bowl eligible. Northwestern is only two games away from becoming bowl eligible. All things considered, that's bonkers. This game up in Madison, it's hard for me to believe that Wisconsin's physicality won't outweigh uh, the Northwestern Wildcats in this one. Upset pick of the week. You got a team in Wisconsin who looks disinterested, and you got a team in Northwestern that's fighting, scratching, and clawing, and this is my upset pick of the week. All right, Ohio State, Michigan State, it's a 31-point spread, man. Do they cover the spread? Does Michigan State cover the spread? I think that's the question. 
Oh, here's what I said. Ohio State struggles but beats Michigan State. I don't think they even come close to covering the spread. 31 and a half is that total. All right, this is the Big Ten Show brought to you by Jacobson Seed Company. Finally, let's end with that top 10 matchup. Number three, Michigan. We've talked about the off the field stuff. They sit there in the college football playoff at number three. Penn State at number 10. One that Adam and I thought earlier in the season would potentially be uh, a team that would be in the college football playoff, maybe be the best team in the Big Ten. They did not look good against the best opponent that they played so far in Ohio State. Now they take on Michigan. My thoughts quickly on this. The spread is, is five, so that's interesting. Number two. Uh, Penn State's going to have to get after J.J. McCarthy. You can't let that dude just chuck it around. 18 touchdowns, three picks on the season. And Penn State has to have a vertical attack. You know, these these quick, easy passes, the high accuracy, five, six, seven, eight-yard passes are not going to cut it against Michigan. You will not win that game. So I think they have to figure out a vertical attack. was hoping to see that against Ohio State. We'll hope to see it here today, uh, excuse me, on Saturday against Michigan if they want to win. Man, have I flip-flopped on Penn State. I tell you what. Uh, I was so high on them. I had them beating Ohio State. I had them beating Mer- Michigan earlier this year. And they're still a very good football team. But I have jumped the hell off that bandwagon, and I have ran the opposite way. Now, they're still going to go 10-2 and two and have a great year. Uh, but, you know, well, a good year. A great year for Penn State is you actually win one of those two big games. So I wrote here, Michigan is pissed because of everything that's going on. And they could win by three touchdowns. Now, I do have them winning 21 to 7. And the only reason I think this game could be potentially interesting as far as who wins and loses, I don't think Penn State's going to get ran off the field, although Michigan's pissed and they might run them off the field. It's at Penn State, and that is a crazy atmosphere. So you never know what can happen, but I got Michigan 21 7. Yeah, I mean, here's where the chaos happens Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State. Then we start to talk about the nonsense that goes along with uh, the, the college football playoff and everything that comes with it. But I, I think Michigan gets this win and probably covers the spread. I just don't think that Penn State will be able to have that vertical attack down the field like we want them to if they want to win. And so that's why I'm taking Michigan. Full slate of games. That one starts at 11 a.m. Central, noon on Fox on the East Coast. And of course, I mean, 9 a.m. out there for all you on the West Coast. Big Ten Show brought to you by Jacobson Seed Company. As we mentioned, we don't just do football here on the show. We got basketball. We'll talk about, we've talked about some of the other things that happened in the spring with the tournaments and the champions from different sports. And we have college basketball back. It all tipped off on Monday with a full slate of games, including some Big Ten teams and uh, women's and men's. They had a women's game, first time ever being played in Paris. Uh, That was really cool to see. Uh, between uh, South Carolina and Notre Dame. And so I'm excited for the basketball season. I love this overlap of basketball during the week and college football on the weekend. And so Adam and I have come up with our three things that we are excited to see uh, play out in men's and women's college basketball in the Big Ten. I'm going to let you go first, Adam. What are your three? Well, actually, I'll let you go first because you sent me yours. And so I didn't want to obviously copy yours. Oh, sure. Man. I'll take this from Jeff's and I'll just, I'll look at this angle of it because I thought the topics you had for the most part were really good. One final thought, Drew Aller has not played great, but he needs some help. He has yeah. no help from his skill position, guys. Final thought on football. Now, basketball, go ahead. All right, man. So first of all, I think the biggest story was in women's basketball last year in the Big Ten. It was Caitlin Clark. And she was, I, I, I watched this piece. She said, you know, she showed up on campus in 2020, the COVID year. And so she was playing in front of her friends and I mean her family and then cardboard cutouts. And then the second year in 2021, going into 2022, they started winning some games. And by the end of the year, you couldn't get a ticket to the game. It was sold out. And last year it was just complete bonkers. Right. And um, I I love how she's embraced this rivalry with 
with Angel Reese from from LSU, and and they've played each other since you know high school, um, and they they have a mutual respect for each other, which I think is great. It's great for the sport. By the way, LSU lost already this week, which was crazy. Colorado, what? Yeah, the? I know. Well, that was wild, man. Uh, but you know the the Caitlin Clark story. Can she live up to the hype? Because she loses Cesano, who is her her uh, her her star in the paint, and so are they going to be able to? Um, win as many games. Is she going to be able to carry them as much? Dude, all offseason, every Big Ten team tried to figure out ways to, hey, we're not going to lose to Iowa. Caitlin Clark goes for 40, right? So they're going to figure out things here, what they're going to do. Um, that's going to be interesting. I think, you know, moving forward, um, we're going to figure out ways to, uh, you know, I think highlight women's basketball on a whole different level in sports. And Caitlin Clark is one of the main reasons why. So I'm excited. Can she live up to the hype? I hope so. I love that women's sports is getting more and more attention from women's basketball to women's volleyball. I'm, I'm a pro wrestling fan. Women in pro wrestling used to just walk around in G, G strings and bikinis, and that's all they were viewed as. And now they're legit wrestlers and competitors. And they can, Charlotte Flair is one of the most athletic human beings I've ever seen. All right. So again, I piggybacked off yours. Yours was more specifically about Caitlin Clark. Mine was more about Iowa as a team. Does Iowa women's basketball team have the depth to get over the hump? The departures of Monica Shizano and McKenna Warnock, their second and third leading scorers and rebounders last year are gone. Those are big blows. Now, here's the X factor in my opinion. It's not Caitlin Clark because she can't do it all by herself. Okay, Jordan wasn't Jordan without Pippen or without Horace Grant, and then Rodman filled in. So the X factor is, to me is sophomore forward Hannah Stuelke, who won the Big Ten sixth player of the year as a freshman can she be a reliable option as well if so the sky is the limit if not it, it might be tough sledding for caitlin clark and her, her bunch this year all right next i want to go to men's basketball the last time that the the big 10 won a national championship was michigan state in 2000 isn't that crazy all those great teams that they've had yeah. all these all these top 10 picks that we've seen uh and we haven't had a national champion michigan state's made final fours but haven't won the natty uh, we, we've had some number one seeds that have fallen. Is this the year? You know, you can start to look around. Michigan State's highly ranked. Again, they lost to James Madison already in game number one. Uh, Purdue's going to be there, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But I, I wonder, is this the year of the drought ending? And until that happens, that's a storyline that I always want to follow. I, I think that Purdue is the best opportunity. Now, Michigan State brings back 82.8% of its scoring, making it one of only six squads to return a greater percentage of that than Duke. They have preseason all Big Ten guards, Tyson Walker uh, and A.J. Haygard, if I could read my own handwriting. Okay, the programming, the program's reigning points and assist leaders, but I think Purdue is the one that has the best chance. Okay, Zach Eady, all right, the National Player of the Year, probably going to win it again, got to be the favorites. Okay, they were number one seed last year, only the second number one seed in all tournament history to lose to a 16 seed. Unfortunately, they have all five returning starters. I'm going to say no. Just because the odds are against it, and Purdue isn't typically a power in basketball, but I do think they're going to shock a lot of people, and they may be a number one seed again. And I think they got to be the odds-on favorite if the Big Ten is going to break that drought. So, real quick, uh, my number two thing was how does conference realignment look in the Big Ten for sports like basketball, non-football sports, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington? How will the next round of conference realignment affect sports like basketball? And I'm just starting to look ahead. Like, how's Washington going to travel to Piscataway? And Trev Alberts, the Nebraska AD, has said the next round of realignment is going to shock us compared to what we've already seen. So could Miami join? And then they're going up to Seattle here in a couple of years. So how does conference realignment affect 
basketball and and other non-football yeah you're gonna get some good teams too usc ucla washington's been good at times over the years um oregon can play some good hoops man so gonna be fun to watch there as well and finally you brought up my third point zach Eady, national player of the year last year um think he has the front running chance to do it again this year he's just gonna get 20 and 10 plus every single game have some blocks etc um you know the thing that i really like about purdue you mentioned all the starters coming back the 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 guards for them last year were freshmen. And so oftentimes when you get to the tournament, it's about guard play and for guard play, listen, um, you know, it, it is, it is a tough thing to go through the tournament with two freshman guards back there, but they learned a lot. They can shoot the three. I think that's going to help out a lot. Spacing is going to be big when you have that big guy down low. So uh, I love Purdue again, fairly Dickinson, man, like who would have thought would have been the team that, that knocks them out. So um, I'm excited to see what happens with Purdue this year. That's certainly one of my, my big time storylines. Sounds like a book I should have read in high school, but I probably didn't. All right, so. You I got I kinda, 20 seconds. Wrap it up, buddy. All right. Will you talk so much? All right. No, I'm just kidding. How much does Zach Eady returning to college help or hurt his draft stock? Clearly an NBA Helps player. Average, average 20 points, double-double uh, last year. May not fit in today's NBA game, though, like the NBA of the past. Not a perimeter threat at all. As a center 20 years ago, he would have been a perfect NBA prospect. The tallest player in the history of the Big Ten will be one of the heaviest players in the NBA when he goes in the draft. Now, he's a good shot blocker, but he's slower with his feet, and some scouts see him as a second-round pick and a more of a situational-type player. Can he change that perception? Because a potential two-time national player of the year should be a top-ten pick, but he's just and not he won't be. He right won't now. be. He'll be farther right. out than that. He would have been the number one overall pick 25 years ago. Yep. Great stuff. That was the Big Ten Show brought to you by Jacobson Seed Company. Thanks for listening as another page has turned here on the show. He's Adam Carriker. I am Jeff Turn.